Time for our weekly update. Malcolm Honline is Executive Vice Chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations and joins us for the weekly update on this Friday morning. Mr. Honline, welcome back to JM in the AM. Thank you. If I wouldn't have seen it and heard it with my own eyes and ears, I don't know if I would have believed it. I was watching a network newscast um, this week. I don't know if it was Tuesday night or Wednesday night. And the network news anchor, well-known international personality, began with the following words. And I believe that I'm almost quoting him verbatim. It's a great paraphrase, but I believe this might be a direct quote, if I remember correctly. He opens by saying, the world is on fire, and the majority of the hot spots are being caused by radical Islam. I couldn't believe he said it. By the way, it took me back a lot of years, Malcolm, because you'll recall, I don't know, what is it, now 15, 20 years ago, that you warned about radical Islam and its effect on this world. And now, in fact, all these fires that have to be put out, if in fact they're possible to be put out, uh, are being acknowledged by uh, the media as being, uh, you know, as being the result of uh, radical Islam gone crazy. Uh, but aside from that network newscaster, I have not seen the outrage that I would think the world would be uh, involved with and would be displaying after another beheading of another journalist, after all the violence that's being uh, conducted in so many different countries. Do you think that people are starting to get it? Do you think that people understand that there has to be some really, really uh, detailed and um, and uh, and potent reaction to ISIS and these terrorist activities? And I think the uh, the recognition, even if late in coming, and you're right, it's since 1988 when I uh, talked about it and on your program over two decades, to get people both here and abroad, including in Israel, to pay attention to the threat that was clearly nascent then is today out of control. I'm not sure that, that there is a response to the total problem, but we could take each part and begin to address it. And that ranges from supporting Sisi in Egypt, despite our reservations about some of the policies, to, to our friends in Morocco, to the Central Asians. And I'm, I'm talking about the Muslim countries now, that we need to, to support regimes that are friendly and that the image of the United States indifference or worse, that we support our enemies and, and uh, criticize our friends. I think one of the ways to counter it is to show support for Israel because everybody in the region there measures our determination, American determination, Western determination by that, and the fact that they can be critical of of uh, a war against Hamas or dealing with Hezbollah or uh, the IS today, just in, in the last 24 hours, uh, associations with threats to the government of Jordan, and that includes infiltration and talks about, uh, you know, that that would be the first step on their way to Palestine, the threat to, to an incitement about the Harabites. And there was a demonstration on the Temple Mount this week by pro-IS, uh, uh, thousands of people with, uh, with the IS flags uh, demonstrating there and uh, to, to their uh, uh, threats. In uh, in Lebanon, there was fighting on a in a city called Arsal, which is right on the border of the Syrian Lebanese border. And the commander of the Lebanese army, armed forces, said that if they had if the army had lost Arsal, 
IS would have continued to the coast and declared a state there as well. And it's not going to be the last attempt. We know that they have now said this week they're going to replace the Saudi family as the emirs of Saudi Arabia. You can go country by country and see the threat. And you're talking about guys who operate off the backs of pickup trucks. You're talking about this is not the biggest army in the world, but they've grown perhaps tenfold uh, over the last year or two years uh, because we didn't deal with it when we could. And even the refusal now to address and go after their presence in Syria. So the, the global danger, IS is one part, but it's become symbolic. And you see how the horrific practice, the beheading, these brutal killings, they, you know, 1,700 people killed in Iraq, 770 guys in, in custody executed in, in Iraq alone, let alone the executions they're carrying out everywhere, even in Sinai now. They're boasting almost every other day with reports about how many people they killed. They claim that they're Bedouin spies for Israel, when in fact we know that's not the case, and that the collaborators that Hamas killed in in uh, in Gaza during the war and in its aftermath, claiming that they were collaborators. Israeli uh, forces came out with a report that, uh, saying that there isn't one of those people who have been identified as an Israeli agent uh, who really was and that the accusation that they gave over information that led to the killing of the three leaders, the Hamas leaders, that was not done with human intelligence. It was all done by surveillance and other things. It's so pervasive, and, it's, it's, uh, we, and we have to go after the sources of their support, like Qatar. If you were asked to like plot it, out all the different hot spots, all the different sources, it would be impossible, right? It's impossible to identify all of them at this point. Because it st- stretches into South America, into Africa, into Asia, we see Boko Haram. I mean, who talks today about those 300 girls that were, were, were kidnapped? What happened to them? That nobody even is even talking uh, about their plight and, and remembering them. So, and, and Boko Haram continues to carry out attacks in different parts of, uh, of Nigeria and, and extending its influence there and trying to. If they could be countered, there are ways that we can really deal with them. If there is determination, if we send a message to our friends and allies that we are really going to stand up to them, that the West is going to mobilize, that NATO is going to take these threats seriously. The Europeans said this week, you know, we see it's coming closer and closer to us. No, it is there. It's close already. It's not has, doesn't have to come. Yeah, but you answered yes to my first question, and frankly, the impression is that nobody really does care. And as much as the President of the United States, for instance, says that, you know, he's ready to... Uh, you know, to, to pay ISIS back and pledges to punish them for what they've done, especially with the Sotloff murder and everything. It, it just doesn't seem that way. It doesn't, it doesn't look like world leadership is ready to take these guys on. That, that is a very important point. And that was exactly the point that I was making, is that it's not enough to say it. It's not even enough to carry out some of the attacks that we have and what we're doing in Iraq, for instance. I mean, we should be do, doing it in, in uh, Syria as well, cut off their supply lines, go through the leadership you know, to, uh, and to uh, uh, take out the, the support system uh, uh, of them. But e- even if we would do it, if we don't send the message of our determination to do it and demonstrate by our actions that those that there is the will and the commitment to actually carry it out. Yeah, there's only one language they understand, you know, 
and words is not the language. Words is not the language. I said almost that you know even when we deal with Hamas, the only language right. terrorists understand is strength. That's why if the, it's the U.S. and Great Britain are now looking for cooperation from other countries, but cooperation to do what? They are looking for cooperation what for to make more statements and come out with more policy statements about it. Uh, I think that there are, no, I think statements, uh, uh, declarations that are followed by actions to say, to declare to the world that we don't have a, a strategy to deal with something or to declare that while we're committed, we, we're not sure yet what actions we're going to take, our actions would speak louder. But, but what I'm saying is that our words, the words from the West and Western leadership often portray a leadership that then sends a message to the terrorists it's open season. What, why are they being attracted? Why are young people flocking to, including Americans, flocking to the to the banner of of such an outrageous extremist group who impose such restrictions on the life of their of their members and the people that they capture and the horrific practices that when this is all written up and people find out how they kidnap young men and women, you know, young children for terrible purposes to to, to please their troops and. You know, forced marriages and and. Uh, so what's the answer? They like fighting for a cause. People are looking for something to fight for. What what is the answer? What's the so attraction? The, the internet has become a, a rallying point. They give them a purpose. They they charge them up, sometimes with religious fervor, and often it's not. They're not even religious people, but they give them a purpose, a cause to stand against authority to, to rally, and then. And the beheadings, which one would have thought would turn off people, has actually become the strongest recruiting. Now Now the Syrians are talking about uh, how many beheadings they did. As I said, in the Sinai, they claimed uh, nine this week alone, uh, in two days, uh, beheadings. By the way, not that, I, not, not that you need to get into the head of a terrorist for us, but why do they last a year or two? Why are these journalists being held and not being murdered immediately? Because they hold them for for their purposes to, to exploit it for the maximum benefit, and to you know to uh, and they did release uh, once in a while one or two of them. So in the Sotloff case, it was simply it, it was time to display him to the world and time to use him as a prop to because they threatened to to execute him if the United States didn't stop some activities. The United States didn't stop, so they show that they mean it and they kill somebody who. Uh, as I told you, but we uh, we tried to keep it off out of the press and and uh, the media that that he was in fact a dual citizen. Right. He had studied in Israel, which you know would have probably hastened his death or made it more valuable for ISIS. Did that cause Israel to react any stronger than other Western nations to his murder? Because after he... the information came out, yes, you saw that it it. Uh, Escalated the, the response and the comments on it and the reports, but uh, you know the the religion of uh, the reporter or their other ties only give the these terrible people more ammunition. So the family worked very hard to keep uh, his Jewishness and his dual citizenship uh, quiet. I have to say that some of the media were very responsible. I called some of them and explained to them the situation after we knew that they had the, they had found uh, evidence of the, of it, uh, and they did not publish it. Good idea or bad idea for family and friends to speak when someone's being held, or there's no good answer to that question. 
Look, the humanitarian appeal gets attention, gets you hopefully motivate our own government, other governments to, mm, to good respond. Right. It doesn't necessarily touch the heartstrings of these people because they don't have hearts. Is Great Britain embarrassed by the fact that it seems that the chief murderer is from their country? This, uh, this campaign, uh, that's the latest report. He hasn't been identified, but the, the, that is the report. And of course, Britain is, is uh, horrified that the guy speaks with a British accent. I've then at half of its resources just to deal with the, these crazy guys fighting in, uh, in, in Syria and Iraq now and the danger of their coming back, and many have already started to come back and, and to the United States. See, I would think that the United States, Israel, certainly Great Britain, for the reasons we just said, would, would want to scout out this guy and literally take out the world's you know, best-known human butcher at this point. They are. Uh, Britain has been devoting a lot of resources to finding out the United States, certainly. But the intelligence is very rich, or local informants or somebody who, who might know to identify them. And there's no Arab country at this point, including Egypt and Saudi Arabia, that could ever speak up against these groups at this point, right? No, they speak up against them, Saudi Arabia. Even Saudi Arabians? Yeah, Saudi Arabia, the UAE, the Egyptians. I mean, many of them are speaking up because, they, they, as I said, they want to target all of these countries. There's not one that they don't want to go after, ultimately. Even their sponsor, Qatar, should be worried about it. And maybe they're trying to buy an insurance policy, but this, you know, it's hardly this country could be overrun in, in days. It's very small. It's a lot of farm workers, um, a lot of oil, a lot of wealth, great target. Uh, and I think that the West has failed to, to hold them to account, and we're paying the price for it and continuing to pay a price and, and talking about an $11 billion arms sales to them. So... No Arab country, I think, should consider itself safe. No Muslim country, and no and no Western country. No, no Western country. <laughs> By the way, and for people listening from outside the New York area, you might find this fascinating. You know, Malcolm, I'm a keen observer of what's happening on the Hudson River because I cross it every single day, and I cross the East River very often. I, I don't know if you agree with this or not, also being a New Yorker, but there's no question there has been real stepped-up security in the New York uh, area, especially bridge and tunnel crossings, over the last 10 days. You agree? There has been uh, increased uh, security that was implemented already years ago, and they have... No, nah, this is and, way different. No, no, I agree. I, I'm saying that it already began years ago, but it's more intensive now. And there's also new machines that, that uh, can detect chemical weapons on, on bridges, you know, cars going by... And you remember we, we saw in the last few weeks attempts to to do things on the bridges, on the Brooklyn Bridge right. especially. I think that that has raised the concern level because we always get copycats uh, when things like that happen. But it seems that, at least the way the news is reporting it, that our security alert went up when it went up in Great Britain. And there it's at the level of severe at this point. It's severe. We're not at the same level. Perhaps we should be. I think every Jewish institution should be. And we've talked about this uh, endlessly, and we have the people from SCAN available to help advise Jewish uh, institutions and, and communities uh, on the uh, steps that they can take that don't necessarily cost a lot of money. But everybody, every shul, every institution, has to, and school especially, can, has to take steps, um, preventative, deterrent, 
but uh, essential nonetheless. And any institution that's been dilly-dallying on this issue, you know that our family is, is associated with a lot of schools, thank God, and all of them are taking this issue very, very seriously. And if you listen to the statistics that law enforcement tells you when they walk into your school at the beginning of the year, we don't realize how often... You know, things like this happen. I mean, I don't want to give details, but you know what I mean. Happen in schools, and we really, synagogues and schools, especially this time of year with the high holidays coming up, have to be on the alert. And that's why the NYPD does the special campaigns around the holidays, because the more visible, the more uh, with greater crowds coming to synagogues, and our institutions are generally open, so the, there has to be these kind of precautions. And we always cite them, rightfully so, but we've got to acknowledge also a lot of, uh, you know, New Jersey, Rockland, Long Island, it's in this area, and I'm sure other areas of the country, uh, th- those police forces that also step it up this time of year. Absolutely. America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program. Heard on listeners sponsored WFMU East Orange, WMFU Mount Hope. Rockin' County at 91.9 on the FM dial, around the world on the web, jmnam.org. Malcolm Honeline with us, the weekly update. I want to thank our friends at jewishworldreview.com who continue to enthusiastically recommend our amazing network to their readers. And if you want a million articles that you could find on these topics and others, check out jewishworldreview.com. By the way, Malcolm, uh, we, we've heard about boycotts and the EU and its members, um, in one way, shape, or form, either uh, have expressed interest or have acted to boycott Israel or the West Bank, whatever you want to call it. There is an effort being led by a gentleman whose name I don't even know. I, na- I know his, his aunt's name is Rochelle, and she's a great lady. But he has literally taken it upon himself to put ads in newspapers all throughout the Jewish world uh, that encourage people to buy Israeli products. And he lists all the different brands from Israel, many familiar to us, many smaller, not that familiar. And he actually has an email address where people can be in touch with him. Uh, it's called buyisrael2014 at gmail.com. And that's his plan, is simply to just get the word out to remind us to go to every grocery aisle, every online purchase, electronic products, and buy Israeli products. Yet another example of what one person can do in this whole effort. The best answer to the boycott is to have the boycott, which means getting people to purchase, and if you don't see it in the stores, to ask them to carry specific products that, that uh, you want from Israel. Uh, we should especially do things to help the people in the South, and I know there are some websites about products. Uh, obviously, it's limited uh, opportunities. but the- Oh, and Southern Vendors have a big tour that starts at Lincoln Square Synagogue this Sunday. That's right, and they, uh, I was going to say that this yeah. is exactly the kind of... Uh, uh, efforts that we have to support because you know bringing the economy back we're never going to make up for the terrific losses uh, it amounts to many billions of dollars that this war cost israel not only in the munitions expended the treatment of wounded soldiers and and uh, tourism human cost but when you go to investors who didn't come the tourist impact which will continue because people planning a winter vacation do it during the summer make commitments and then didn't do it, so they, they, many of them won't. Uh, those who have plans to go should definitely go. So it's hurt Israel in uh, in many ways. Thank God Israel's economy is resilient and the people determined uh, that uh, and they will go on. But we have we have a role to play in that regard, especially about tourism, which we've talked about many times, and the the um, uh, the political support. Now the Congress is coming back. We're going to see efforts at the United Nations, which where the General Assembly begins uh, right the week of Rosh Hashanah. The, there will be efforts to uh, 
to bring Israel before the ICC International Criminal Court or to have resolutions there. With all this going on, it's so hard to believe. And and so many other things that are, are happening uh, at the same time. And yet, what is the focus of the world on a thousand acres of land, 988 yeah. acres of land? Nobody says that <laughs> this is all on the west side of the of the security barrier. That this is land that, by all consensus, by all the parameters that were put forward, the Clinton parameters, Omer, the was going to remain with Israel. You're referring to the Givaot expansion. Yes. Uh, and that but- arouses the indignation of the world, condemnations, talk about further actions just today, uh, suggestions that there would be further action. I was in Washington yesterday, and this issue, you know, uh, becomes, it looms large there, you know, as, as Israel doing it again. I agree that maybe the government of Israel didn't do a good enough job creating the context under which this move was made, but this land was never tilled. It was never uh, uh, land belonging to others, to the Palestinians. This is Area C, which is under Israel's control. The accords never said they can't develop it. Whether the wisdom of how it was handled, et cetera, uh, those are legitimate questions and the timing, but the the quick uh, rush to condemn and the, some of the harsh terminology, and yet when Israel yesterday announced that the Jerusalem Planning Committee uh, the approval for 2,200 homes in East Jerusalem, mm-hmm. and uh, I think it, it covered uh, and, uh, 375 acres, there you don't see anything because it's housing for Arabs. And we, we don't see the kind of balance in the statements about what what really is going on, and, and the, the reality that this land, you can have, everybody can have their opinion about the wisdom of how it's handled, but you can't challenge the legality and other things that, that uh, for which we have clear precedent, and, and by definition, this land, where it is, and those who know the history of Gush Etzion know how particularly sensitive it is, uh, by uh, consensus is going to be part of Israel. I, I thought that the American reaction was tempered compared to... Um previous announcements, but you would say no, that it was pretty harsh. Well, I was in Washington two days this week, and I will tell you that it was pretty harsh, and the European reaction harsh. You know, we... we I thought Obama... And, and it just feeds the, the calls for boycotts, and uh, we have never supported boycotts. We don't believe that's the answer to, to any problem, but the, the uh, uh, efforts in Europe are expanding. They're going to be here, the BDS effort, the Boycott Divestment Sanctions, and, and we are gearing up. We have a big meeting this coming week, bringing together 60 organizations to address these issues. On the campuses, we're seeing it very intensely. Uh, on legal forums, as I said, in the international fora, and especially the United Nations and its agencies, and in the media, and we're trying to mobilize experts and people to address each of these areas uh, we are going to see greater challenges. This is just, um, you know, the, the quiet that people keep saying to me, how quiet it is now. I tell them, are you kidding? You have Iran coming up November 24th and negotiations starting September 17th. We've seen nothing from Iran that would indicate their readiness to adopt a more moderate position. Yeah, what will be the new date? We're going to postpone it till when? <laughs> no. And, and said, ah, come Harry on. Himself told me that there, will be, that there won't be a postponement this time. That He said if, there, if it looks like another five days a week or so, we'll, we'll enable them to do it. Then they, that, But he said they made clear to them no further extensions. 
and uh, he said that Congress would enact a tough uh, legislation. Um, and what I've heard from others is that there, there is, in fact, so far no indication of a willingness to compromise except on the Iraq uh, facility. Uh, but if, what, what we've seen is quite the contrary, where they're talking about expanding the, the enrichment and, uh, you know, that the Iranians now vowed to free Al-Aqsa from Israel, uh, talked about arming people in the West Bank. I, for one, take those threats seriously. Malcolm, the world's on fire. Someone said to me the other day, I'm so upset, you know, Great Britain wants to boycott Israel. Um, who else did they say? Whatever, you know, The EU wants to boycott Israel. I said I'm not going to panic until God boycotts Israel. That's what I said. Well, thank God we saw with uh, everything went on this summer, how many miracles and that God has not. So he is not boycotting but Israel. He was looking for us. He's saying, look, I'm doing my part. I'm doing going to such great lengths for you. It's up to you, too. And we read it in the Shalach, that God says in the Medrash, you know, I do all the miracles. I've done my part. Now it's up to you. But we've seen some interesting developments also. One is that uh, the uh, Germans delivered another submarine, which some people were afraid would not happen. And this one can go much further, operate uh, at a higher level. Uh, There were 54 special operations in 2013 alone, including deployment away from Israel of the submarines that they have received. And another one, the fifth one, I think, is due before the end of 2014. Um, I don't know if you saw that Jordan signed a $15 billion energy deal with Israel, which is uh, safeguarding Jordan, and it's uh, part of Israel's commitment to uh, Jordan, which is facing great pressures from the IS as well as the pressures from inside and with uh, hundreds of thousands of uh, refugees there from Syria and the uh, activities of Muslim Brotherhood and other groups. You know, Jordan is a very juicy target for uh, these, uh, these extremists. But I, one of the interesting things that got, got almost no notice was that the Sudan closed down all the Iranian cultural facilities in Sudan and threw out the, the ambassador the, um, and other uh, cultural attaches, uh, not the overall ambassador, but the cultural ambassador. Um, and they say that this is because of pressure from uh, Saudi Arabia, which does a lot of business with them, or, or because the, these guys were engaging in... Uh, missionary activity or proselytic uh, political uh, activity, uh, but it, it's, a, it's an important statement coming from a regime that itself is pretty radical. Yeah. <laughs> um, is there a uh, is there any need, or do you think that we should be calling for Cornell University to close its Qatar campus? You know, that's an issue that's been debated for for many years, and the question is, what benefit? Uh, that this is an opportunity to try and influence. I haven't seen what the evidence that this does influence to the positive, but uh, it's a it's a debatable issue. Um, I think that Qatar has to has to get strong messages, but at a national level, where it really matters. Closing Cornell does not hurt the government. The government represents a small percentage of people. It's a tiny country with huge wealth and built, as the Arabs say, on a television station, uh, Al Jazeera. Mm -hmm. Uh, And they have been supporting every one of the extremist and terrorist operations in contrast to American Western interests like IS, like Hamas, like others, and uh, and allies itself with Iran. Uh, So I think that that there has to be, at a higher level, 
decisions about actions vis-a-vis Qatar and Turkey. You know, Turkey now is moving in more and more of an Islamist direction with the appointment of Nabatulu as the prime minister. Oh, CBS News started last night with a story that the United States, was it the U.S. or somebody else who was trying to uh, trying to uh, elicit uh, Turkey's support in the fight against ISIS? I think it was the U.S. Well, U.S. has, and the West has, and, and Turkey is very critical because they have <coughs> the roads control the bo- its border, which is very porous, and has enabled the terrorists to cross into Syria and go to Iraq and elsewhere. Uh, there's a particular road which they now, just in the last few days, have started to patrol and started to try and control because they're suffering from the blowback of, of young Turks going in there, radicalizing, coming back, and uh, posing dangers uh, to Turkey as well. And the statements of Erdogan become more and more irrational and radical himself, um, and, and the efforts portray him as some sort of moderate and a bridge and you know, being in NATO and being in, uh, an Islamist. They got it all wrong. This guy's an Islamist, and he's appointing, and he's moving more and more that direction and pulling the country in that direction, which is very negative, very scary for, for the Jews who live there, for the region. And there has to be much more concerted action vis-a-vis Qatar and Turkey, rather than this idea of embracing them because they are the ones who have influence with Hamas. We didn't see any evidence that they use that influence. Right. Uh, if anything, the opposite. And, and you know, then IS is becoming more and more financially independent because they raided the banks, but they also control the oil areas in Raqqa, in Syria, and in uh, near Mosul, in, in uh, Iraq. They, they also make millions and millions of dollars from the sale of antiquities. They have, they're generating significant revenue by plundering historical artifacts in Syria and Iraq. They Who buys them? Digs and take a share from them, and then they sell them on the international market. Who they, buys them? Who wants to deal with terrorists? It's not who buys them. This stuff goes out through Turkey and then goes into the markets in Europe and elsewhere. So nobody knows the source. Huge develop, a huge, well, even if they know it, but there's, it, well, there's, you've seen how much of a black market there is in art and other artifacts that, that unrelated to this. In this stuff, which is very old, and, uh, you know, Hamas and um, Islamic Jihad, like uh, IS, do not respect these facilities, and we've seen them destroyed in many countries, but they're destroying mosques and churches, and the the tombs of uh, Daniel and uh, and Yonah, because they believe that these are sacrilegious, and they certainly have no respect for the antiquities, which are are sites that are going to be lost for all the future. Nobody can reconstruct what they were, which... Uh, archaeologists do. They don't just dig it up. They try to figure out and, and learn from it. Uh, so that's another source of income. They're, they're learning how to make money out of everything, including abducting people, which has become a major industry. Wow. Um, where do they make the money in that process? They sell them as slaves? Uh, in which process? In the abducting people. No, they sell them back to their families. But but it, it is right also that there were some of the women that they uh, have abducted, they kill the husbands and sell the women into to, into brothels in uh, the Gulf and other areas, and uh, even for the service of their own soldiers with forced marriages and uh, um, worse. A society that we cannot relate to. That's part of the problem, by the way. 
we forget that it's a it's a society that we can't relate to, and, and our standards are something that they cannot relate to. Uh, part of the problem with trying to communicate with the enemy, they do relate and they exploit it. They 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 look they they see our weakness and democracy and all of these commitments that we have, which we see as strengths and and our strengths. Right, it's our biggest weakness. Perceive as weakness right. and, and see us limited, but. You know, Israel also, you know, the uh, Hamas played on Israel's weakness, which is that they're That's humanitarian. Right. They don't just go and massacre people. They don't kill. And we That's kill. the benefit of a human shield in Gaza. Exactly right. Uh, by the way, someone asked me, and I thought it was a great question, but I, I figured if it was the case, you would have mentioned it already a couple of weeks ago. Has Israel been turned to at all the medical community in Israel regarding the Ebola crisis? you have any idea? They are doing research on Ebola. In Israel, absolutely. I mean, something that would help immediately, that might help immediately in Africa. There is one uh, drug that I remember reading about uh, that was uh, developed in Israel, but the answer is yes, and and Israeli um, doctors are working in Africa. I don't know that they're working in the uh, specific hospitals that have Ebola cases, but I do know that they're working on a drug on Ebola. And I'll let you wrap up with the good news in a second, but you you mentioned the... uh the attitude in Washington this week and, and from other countries uh, regarding Giva'ot, the expansion, etc. In general, forget Giva'ot for a moment, in general we've been reading that the United States very recently, talking about the last few days, is giving up on the aggressiveness they've had toward a peace process. Would you say that's accurate? Is the Obama-Kerry team throwing up their hands a bit at this point? Uh, yes and no. It depends on who you ask. Uh, some people involved uh, essentially said look the palestinians aren't forthcoming etc some said look we've got to get israel to recognize this is a moment and we have to seize it that the ceasefire is not enough that you have to move on back to the negotiations if you want to have a resolution the ceasefire won't hold for long uh so there are absolutely mixed uh, messages that are coming out but i would say that overall uh the state department i don't think has given up and believes that it's essential that they move ahead on, on that front. I'm not sure that the White House is as invested. And the good news is? That I'm Yisrael Chai, we survive all these things. And, and I will tell you, I do think it's good news that the world has come to recognize now what the issues really are in this war on terror that, and, and that the criticisms of Israel for having to fight on, on more than one front. And we saw again the what I've talked about for a couple of weeks about the changes on the border with Syria, where you have al-Nusra and others, and then a, a, an errant uh, shell crossed the border from Israel yesterday. The alarms went off, but there was no response because it was clearly an internal uh, struggle where the Syrian army is trying to retake some of the crossings. Oh, so that's why we heard there was an alert near Chispin that was referring right. to that area. Oh, and, uh, you know, Kunetras, they're fighting in Kunetra, but the, right now I, uh, the al-Nusra people uh, control it. Uh, Al-Nusra, if you remember, is an al-Qaeda affiliate, mm-hmm. not IS, but there are IS people who have been seen in, and, uh, in, the, in the Golan. Uh, they're going to take, take advantage of every uh, circumstance. They just don't have to be in the front line there. So the the... And I think that the efforts in Iraq are, have uh, paid off in terms of being able to hold them. Now we have to make a much more assertive, collective effort against them and the other terrorist organizations because these things can pop up every day. There's a new group that, that's coming up, and the Internet enables them to recruit across borders. You, you don't have the ability to restrict, and unless we hold Turkey and other countries to account for, for any uh, lapses, 
regarding the controlling the border or preventing 15-year-olds and 16-year-olds who are going from England, Canada, United States, uh, uh, European countries into Syria, lost to their families then, many of them just dying and nobody knows, or getting lost to uh, all the things that I mentioned earlier. Uh, there really has to be an accountability and a determination with the U.N. coming up, session coming up. We didn't even talk about the Ukraine and the implications of it, but we have... UN is what if Russia collapsing Afghanistan deal collapsing, it's it's really a, a unique moment when we have so many things happening at one time and it's hard for people to focus governments to focus on so many things. If Russia Hashanah is Wednesday night, which it is, the UN is what the previous Monday. It's I think it starts Tuesday. So does that mean the prime minister will not be able to come in and speak? The prime minister is coming. And I think he's uh, coming before Rosh Hashanah, or he'll come between Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur. So that means he will address the General Assembly. Right now, it is planned for him to address the General Assembly, and Foreign Minister Lieberman, I think, will come as well. Uh, So I don't think President Rivlin will come. So I think BB will, will be speaking, and I think he has a very important message at this time. Well, yeah, every year we look forward to his speech. Hope it has some effect. And by the way, kudos to some of the tabloids out there that have aggressively, sometimes in questionable manner, kept the whole um, um, uh, attitude, or I should say the uh, atmosphere of what's going on in some of these foreign countries on the front pages. Because if not for the, if not for the photos and videos, I, I don't even know if people would pay any attention to what's going on with this brutality. At least, at least they and others are, are you know, <laughs> are reminding us about what's going on and how I- insane it is. But the flip side is that this also becomes a recruiting tool for young people who get excited, who see these guys then as the fighters and defending the flag, defending the religion, the faith, or just uh, those who, who who are looking for adventurism. And and most of all, young Muslims in in Europe who are disaffected, dislocated, uh, have been radicalized. Uh, there has to be uh, uh, real decisions to, to address this. We saw this week demonstrations in a number of uh, countries in Europe against anti-Semitism uh, with manifestations including the Yarmulke March and the uh, other uh, demonstrations because people are beginning to see how serious this is and non-Jews have to understand that this is their battle because well, even if Jews are first, this is yep. against everyone. No question about it. Malcolm, the world is on fire. The world is on fire. Makes Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur all the more important for us, and uh, the need for our tefillahs and for our deeds and our actions. Congress is coming back to session. Got to make sure that we get uh, the right uh, actions. Uh, Congress remains extremely supportive. The American people, according to the polls, remain supportive. There are problems amongst young people, and we are trying to address those. But uh, everybody has an opportunity to educate others about the issues. That's for sure. Speak because Rat Hashem next week have a wonderful Shabbos. Malcolm Honline is executive vice chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations.